Thessalonians 4, verse 1. So far, it's been a very encouraging book. Uh, Paul really cares for the people of Thessalonica, or Thessalonica, or Thessaloniki. I was listening to somebody talk about it, uh, I think this morning I was watching the video, and he called it Thessaloniki, and spelled it with a K, K-I at the end. So you never know what you're going to hear. I don't know which one of those are correct, but I say Thessalonica. So he, uh, Paul loved the people of Thessalonica. Uh, he, he was glad that they put their faith in Jesus Christ. He wanted to make sure that they were standing firm in Jesus Christ. And he was uh, really glad to hear that they were doing well. And uh, he desired to go back and see them. He uh, was unable to, at least at the writing of this letter. But, but Timothy had gone back and uh, it brought back a good report. Things were going well for the people of Thessalonica. And that's really what we've seen through the first three chapters. So we'll pray, and then we'll jump into the text tonight. Father God, we come to you. We thank you for your good word, and I pray that you help us to be free of distractions, dear Lord. We, we come in here tonight, and it's likely that all of us have something going on, dear Lord, in our busy lives and, and things that go on, dear Lord. It just kind of can be overwhelming. But God, I pray that in these few minutes that you would give us peace and joy and help us to kind of push those things to the side, dear Lord, to free our minds and our hearts to hear from you. And I pray that your Holy Spirit, through your word, would speak to each one of us tonight. So God, hide me behind the cross and help me to preach and teach your word in a way that brings glory to you and, and gives us what we need to hear. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 1 Thessalonians 4, 1. Finally then, brothers, we ask and encourage you in the Lord Jesus, that as you have received from us how you must walk and please God, as you are doing, do so even more, for you know what commands we gave you through the Lord Jesus. Here, as Paul is drawing near the close of this letter, he offers a word of encouragement. He wants to encourage the people to continue to do good. They are already doing good, he said. But Paul says, I encourage you to continue to do good. And that's important for us, too. There may be seasons in our life as we walk with the Lord that we do good. There may be other seasons where we don't do good, where we sin more than we should, where we're not obedient to God. But, but there are other seasons where we are obedient to God, and our relationship is good. And be encouraged in those seasons. Don't, don't rest in those seasons. Don't, don't let your guard down. The tempter will always come to try to tempt you, as we saw in the passage we looked at last week. That was one of Paul's concerns, is that the people may have been tempted and that they had turned away from Jesus. But indeed, they had not. They were doing well. And Paul says, continue to do well. And so it should be for us. When we walk with the Lord, let us continue to seek the Lord. And not stop, not, not, not rest, but continue to seek the Lord and continue to do good in our walk with Him. Verse 3, For this is God's will, your sanctification. Now, we see the word sanctification mentioned often here in these next few verses. Uh, when we talk about sanctification, that word means to be set apart. And that's really what God's people have been from the Old Testament to the New Testament and to now. People who follow God and trust God and put their faith in Jesus Christ, we are a people who are set apart. When God made his nation Israel, they were set apart. Set apart for what? Set apart to be different. Set apart to be better. Set apart to 
not live in sin, but to live by the will and the word of God. To not do what is evil, but to do what is good. And so when we speak of being sanctified and we speak of sanctification as Christians, it is simply saying that we are set apart. Set apart for what? For God's will, to do what is good. Now, what is sanctification apart from that? How, how, do, how does that how does that apply to our life? In what way is that is that fulfilled? Well, some Christians would uh, would teach that sanctification is is something that we can that we can grow to a to a to a to a place in this life where we don't sin anymore. That we are fully sanctified. That we can get to a point in our walk with the Lord that we can be so obedient that we are no longer sinners. Now, I don't believe that that's what the text teaches. I certainly don't believe that I have gotten to that point, uh, but I believe that sanctification is more of a lifelong process. The process begins when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, and God continues to work in us as we read his word and seek to do his will. I believe that God continues to work in our life to sanctify us and will continue that process until the day that we are with him. And at that point, we will reach the highest state of sanctification that we can reach. But in this life, I think it's a process. I think it's a process that as we see at the beginning that we need to continue to do good in our process of sanctification and doing the will of God and listening to what God calls us to, trying to be obedient to him. And that's what uh, Paul tells the people of Thessalonica here. This is God's will, their sanctification, that they do continue to grow in the Lord and are set apart that you abstain from sexual immorality so that each of you knows how to control his own body in sanctification and honor, not with lustful desires like the Gentiles who don't know God. This means one must not transgress and against and defraud his brother in this matter because the Lord is, a, is an avenger of all these offenses, as we also previously told and warned you. For God has not called us to impurity, but to sanctification. Therefore, the person who rejects this does not reject man, but God, who also gives you his Holy Spirit. And so Paul lists something very specific here uh, as he's talking about sanctification. He tells them to abstain from sexual immorality. Now, of course, that is a sinful and evil thing. Uh, there are many things that if, if we are sanctified and, and working on our sanctification that we are to avoid, not just sexual immorality, uh, but uh, I would say that it's likely Paul is saying that because maybe that was an issue in Thessalonica. There are different issues that may be more prominent in some, in some people's lives than in others. Uh, it may be that in Thessalonica, sexual immorality was one of the problems that they were really battling against. And so Paul is saying, do what is good. Look, know that God is, is, is working in you. You are being sanctified. Therefore, stay away from these things. Those who are not Christians do these things. But you, as one who is sanctified and being sanctified, is set apart. You're no longer to do these sinful acts. In this case, and particularly uh, sexual immorality. But, but anything sinful that would be against uh, God's commands is something that we would want to avoid. And Paul says that here uh, to the people of Thessalonica. Verse 9, about brotherly love. Now, before we continue on, just a brief side note, we see the word brotherly love there, and some of your translations may say something different, but 
the, the Greek word for brotherly love there is Philadelphia. Uh, you may know that Philadelphia is called the city of brotherly love. It's interesting when we look at the Greek language and the word love, there are lots of different words that are used in the Greek for love. Philadelphia, phileo, agape. Uh, there's, I think, I think there's eight of them. There's a bunch of them. There's a bunch of eros. There's a bunch of different words that the Greeks uh, use for love. And in a sense, that's a that's a very beautiful thing, and it's a good thing because it it helps break up different types of love in a way that that that's applied in different ways to different things or different people. What I mean by that is. In the English language, we have one word for love, and we use that word for love for everything. Oh, I love that new TV show. Oh, I love my wife. Oh, I love this church. Oh, I love my dog. You know, we use the same word. Oh, I love the milkshakes at that place. I love to eat a hamburger from that place, right? The word is love for all of those things, but but even though we use the same word, we, we get that it's a different kind of love, but in our language, we don't have different words for it. But one beautiful thing about the Greek language is they had different different types of love and different words for different types of love. And so when we see brotherly love here, the word in the Greek would is uh, Philadelphia, uh, which is where we get the name of our city, Philadelphia, from. About brotherly love, you don't need me to write to you because you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. In fact, you are doing this toward all the brothers in the entire region of Macedonia. But we encourage you, brothers, to do so even more. Now, this is, this is a key part of, of Christianity, of being a follower of God, is loving other people. What's the most important command when Jesus was asked? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And what's the second? It's like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And so this is key. Like if we say we're going to follow God, but we don't love our neighbor, then we got to check ourselves. we got to make sure that, that, that we really are, are a follower of God. Now, it appears to be the case in Thessalonica that the people really had brotherly love for one another, and that's a, that's a good thing. When you've got a, a fellowship of, of brothers and sisters in Christ, there should be a brotherly love that is there. Now, that's not always the case among believers. Sometimes you got people, they'll, they'll be arguing and fighting and feuding and gossiping, and that's not a spirit of brotherly love. Now, I believe that, that we have a good spirit of brotherly love in this church, and I thank the Lord for that. I believe that we genuinely care for each other, and, uh, and I think that that's certainly the way that it should be. That's what God calls us to. And Paul says here to the people of Thessalonica that they had that type of brotherly love, and they were loving one another. And so it sounds as though they're doing good. Uh, we, we see the love that Paul has for the people of Thessalonica as well as the love that they appear to have for one another. And then Paul gives them some instruction in verse 11. To seek to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business, and to work with your own hands as we command you, so that you may walk properly in the presence of outsiders and not be dependent on anyone. Now, verse 11 is a good verse for us to remember. Seek to lead a quiet life and mind your own business. Now, that's good advice, right? Because sometimes we like to get all up in the middle of drama, and we got to watch ourselves. Because, boy, it's, you hear people in the middle of something, and they start talking to you, but it's easy for you to get right up in there, and you want to hear what they got to say, and you want to tell their piece, and you want to know the business, and then you're going to tell somebody else the business, and before you tell the business that you know you shouldn't know and didn't tell, before you tell the person, you say, 
I shouldn't tell you this, but I just, I think you need to know this. So-and-so, and this is going on, and then guess what they do? They go tell, I probably shouldn't say anything about this, but I'm going to anyway. So sometimes we need to lead a quiet life and say, hey, I'm not going to get up in the middle of that. That's their business. They'll take care of that. I'm not going to worry about that. And mind our own business. This, this gets us out of a lot of trouble if we follow this advice that Paul gives to the people of Thessalonica. And he continues to tell them that they need to work with their own hands uh, so that they would not be dependent on anyone. Now, uh, probably here in a, in a physical sense, you know, Paul had talked about earlier in the book that they had worked and they had not been a burden on the people of Thessalonica. And he's telling the people here, giving them the command that they need to work with their own hands. Now, it's possible and seems uh, quite likely that, that there was an issue in Thessalonica of people not wanting to work. Uh, he kind of alludes to that here in this first letter. And then in uh, 2 Thessalonians, uh, we have a better example of that in 2 Thessalonians 3 because he, he comes right out and says, there are some among you who do not want to work. And as a result, they're making trouble and making it hard for the rest of you. So what does Paul tell them? And we'll talk about this more when we get to 2 Thessalonians 3. He says, if you do not work, you do not eat. And he says, look, he, he, he essentially says, kind of shun these people don't, so that they'll be ashamed of what they're doing. He says, you know, don't, don't be mean to them. I mean, still love them, but they need to know that it's not right, that, that, that you need to work. You need to, you need to do your part. And uh, when, when you have any group of people and part of the group is working, and one part of the group is not working, then it makes a difficulty on the other part of the group because the part that's not contributing to the group, well, they, get, they still got to eat. They want to take your food. They want to take all your materials and all that you've worked for. And so that's not a good system. And Paul says, hey, look, that can't happen among you. And that's what we see in 2 Thessalonians 3. Uh, so perhaps that's what he's alluding to here, this idea uh, that, hey, everybody needs to work. Everybody needs to do their part. You don't need to be depending on somebody else to feed you when you have the ability to work. You don't need to depend on somebody else to pay your bills. You don't need to call somebody else to do your work. They've got their own work. You do your work, they'll do their work. You won't have to depend on anybody. So keep quiet, mind your own business, work, and all will be good. Now, these instructions that, that Paul uh, gives to the Thessalonians here and these, these words that he gives them are good words for us as well. If we are doing good in the Lord, then let us keep doing good. Let us be encouraged to continue to do good in the Lord. Let us know that if we have put our faith in Jesus Christ, we are sanctified and are being sanctified, that God is working in us. He wants us to be set apart. If we see that in our lives we're living like the rest of the world, then, then we're not set apart. Then we need to say, God, forgive me. I don't want to live like the world. God, help me to, to trust in you and live for you and to do your will so that I can be set apart and be a good example for you to the world. That whatever our sin may be, maybe in our life it's sexual immorality. Maybe it's something else. But whatever that sin is that's keeping us from growing in the Lord and being set apart, then we need to repent of that and not, not uh, live in that sin anymore. And we need to love one another. As Paul uh, talks of the Thessalonians here, they loved one another, and so should you and I. And so what do we do in life? We live a simple life. We keep quiet, 
we keep to ourselves, we mind our own business, and we work hard. And all of these instructions we see here at the beginning of 1 Thessalonians 4 are good instructions for those of us who are in Jesus Christ today. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you and we thank you for your good word. And I pray that you help us to take some of these things that we heard tonight. You know exactly where each of us are in our life, dear Lord. Maybe there are some here tonight that are not doing good. God, I pray that if that's the case in our life, that we repent, that we, that we seek you, come to you. And, and God, let you work in our life. God, we don't want to look like the world. We want to look like your children. So help us to do so. God, maybe, maybe there are some in here tonight and they're doing really good. And they're walking close to you. God, I, I just encourage them. I pray that you would encourage them, dear Lord. I pray that you would help, help those who are doing good to continue to do good. Help us to love each other, dear Lord. Help us not to fuss and fight and feud, but when those, when those times that we get angry or upset or mad at each other may pop up, let us not give in to the temptation to fight about it, but let's talk it out, forgive each other, and, and God live together in brotherly love. God, help us to... Help us to lead a quiet life and help us to mind our own business, dear Lord. It's tough to do sometimes, but help us to have that, that, that little bit of an urge, that, that kind of nudge of the Holy Spirit, dear Lord, to let us know, hey, maybe I need to step back and, and not, not stick my nose, nose in this business, dear Lord. Let us work hard and let us do all we can, dear Lord, to be obedient to you, uh, to serve you, and to, to do your will. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.